All right, sticking to our performance supplements, let's talk about, I would say, probably the most famous one, creatine. creatine before uh, especially in our energy systems podcast where i discuss the the way your body uh, kind of generates uh, in a sense atp during your exercise and so we talked about the atp phosphocreatine pathway in which uh, essentially creatine facilitates the recycling of atp in the cells and so what happens is creatine picks up a phosphate group and gets converted to what we call phosphocreatine and then it donates the phosphate group to ADP or adenosine diphosphate to convert it to adenosine triphosphate or ATP and creatine is produced in the body from uh, your amino acids glycine and arginine and you can get uh, creatine from meat uh, just not too much all right uh, what we know about creatine, uh, scientifically speaking, it does increase muscle mass, strength, and performance, especially um, when you do high intensity or heavy lifting exercises. And the way it helps during those types of workouts is it really, in a simplistic point of view, um, helps your, your, your muscles increase energy. And so 95% of creatine is stored in the muscle as phosphocreatine, while the other 5% uh, is found in other places throughout the body, such as the brain, the liver, and the kidneys. Uh, so one of the things that we want to keep in mind about creatine as well is that it can improve your brain health and prevent other neurological diseases. Because when you when you think about what happens in the brain as you age, uh, essentially that rate of energy production in the brain begins to decrease. So if you supplement with creatine and help that the brain, um, you know, increase ATP production in the brain, kind of keeps you uh, mentally um, in, in better shape. So one of the let's talk about some controversies with creatine. I think the biggest one is about the water retention. And mainly because creatine is an osmolite, so it does regulate uh, uh, osmotic pressure within cell, uh, within muscle cells. Now, creatine monohydrate is highly water soluble, but uh, I'm not really sure. When people say retain water, they typically talk about looking flat or looking full, muscles looking full. Uh, I'm not sure if there's necessarily... I guess that could be related to the body actually uptaking water and keeping it in the muscle, which gives you that more fuller look. So when you try to, if you're a bodybuilder, let's say you're trying to look grainy and, and lean, 
Um, having that water retention is not good, which is why they do diuretics, obviously, to get the water retention out. Um, I mean, I, I, again, I don't really see a problem with water retention. Um, as a power lifter, again, we're not going for aesthetics, so I really don't care. But as a bodybuilder, that may be um, an issue. Um, so let's talk about the different forms of creatine. Um, I think we all know about creatine monohydrate, well known. You also have creatine hydrochloride. You have um, magnesium chelate, ethyl ester, citrate, malate, nitrate, gluconate, pyruvate, uh, AKG, alpha ketoglutarate. You have micronized, um, and you also have creatinine, which is buffered creatine. Uh, the research that we see in literature is mainly with creatine monohydrate. You know, I'll say a very high percentage, we'll probably say over 90% monohydrate is cheap is well known is well studied if you go the monohydrate route um what they suggest is typically a a loading phase of 20 grams a day for five to seven days and then a maintenance phase of five grams per day the reason why that loading phase is so high is because you lose a lot of monohydrate within the gut mainly because of its water solubility and so essentially you take these high doses to compensate for what's get what's being lost in the gut um, and like I talked about that the body storing creatine as fossil creatine, you want to build those stores up essentially and to give your, you know, your muscles a good storage of fossil creatine for when you work out. So that's where those big loading phases come from. And of course you burn through some as you exercise. So that's why the maintenance of three to five grams a day comes in where you do compensate for some loss in the gut, but you do some replenishing. Um, and essentially it just prevents you from losing all creatine stores you want to have some in there at all time for our lifters now i'm not going to talk about the rest of them uh between buffer creatine which is just a ph balanced creatine and then micronized which is a physically you know crushed up form so it can dissolve a little bit better the rest of them uh, i'm not too versed on them uh not saying they're better than the other i would say when you have different forms of a compound especially with creatine let's say for example in this case creatine is the main compound creatine does the same thing no matter what typically what these different forms lead to are different solubilities and different uptake so one example i'm going to use is creatine hydrochloride versus monohydrate so one of the big differences between the two one is solubility so creatine hydrochloride is about 38 times more soluble and you may say why well, if you intake creatine and you think about your stomach acid being hydrochloride, you know, essentially it can dissolve within the stomach acid. So it's much more soluble. And so if you take hydrochloride, typically you don't have the load um, because the, when you take it, all of it's going to be uptaken pretty much into the muscle. And so typically if you're doing hydrochloride, you buy about two and a half grams a day versus the five. Um, now, Here's the deal with creatine. Do I, I think everyone should take creatine. Um, it's cheap. It's one of those compounds that we know they naturally occur in the body. It's more or less, you know, those natural levels that you have in the body, mainly for you to kind of live and get around life with. But if you are exercising, you're lifting, then you're going to need more creatine than what the body's naturally produced. And that's why you want to take creatine. Price-wise, creatine is very cheap. One of my gripes with the fitness industry is companies trying to market 
creatine, their version of creatine, so-called, as being better. Um, look, most companies, when they offer creatine, it's typically going to be micronized creatine monohydrate. Creatine monohydrate is cheap, like I said, and then micronized because now when I, you know, mix it into water, you're not going to have any clumps. It's going to go in real good. All right. Now, creatine monohydrate is the same no matter who makes it, if that makes sense. So whether company A, company B, company C makes it, it's, it's going to do the same thing. And so I, I really discourage people from buying, especially buying small containers. And so what I, what I see is someone will sell, you know, 30 servings or 50 servings uh, for $10, $15, which it sounds cheap, right? But what if I tell you, hey, I can buy 250, 500 servings in bulk for $20, $25, right? But it's, they're the same compound, same molecule. So I would say, you know, with something like creatine, definitely try to avoid the uh, marketing tactics that you see from, you know, some of these supplement companies out there. So, yeah, that's creatine in a nutshell. I think everyone should take it. You know, I don't see, you know, there are some some myths out there about it affecting hair, you know, hair loss and kidneys and all that type of stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, creatine, especially creatine monohydrate, is well studied. And we know that it has numerous benefits, even for people that aren't lifting weights. It does have benefits, um, you know, for brain health and neurological health. So highly suggested, go ahead, get you some. It's cheap, inexpensive, it's well-known, and yeah, have fun.